all we're looking. There, there are still payments. There are still, uh, there are still consequences to sin. God didn't just overlook it, sweep it under the rug, and forget about it. Uh, so, uh, with all that in mind, something else I'd like you to keep in mind as far as the New Testament goes, as we read through Leviticus four, is uh, in the book of First John, which we're teaching in Sunday school right now. In the book of First John, there's a, a often quoted scripture. First John says, "My little, my little children." Uh, he says, I write these things unto you that you sin not. But if any man do, does sin, we have an advocate with Jesus Christ the righteous. And uh, I think that's an awesome verse to hang on to as we go through Leviticus 4. Really, as you go through the whole Bible, thank God. But especially Leviticus 4, because that's exactly what it's getting at here in Leviticus 4 that these things were written unto the Israelites that they sin not. Not, not just Leviticus 4, but Leviticus 1, 2, 3, 4, all the way through the book of Leviticus, everything in Genesis, everything in, in the book of Exodus, everything in Scripture is written that we sin not. But if any of us do sin or does sin, we have an advocate with Jesus Christ the righteous. So keep that verse in mind as well as we go through this. So Leviticus chapter 4, <clears throat> beginning at verse 1, says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a soul shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done, and shall do against any of them, if the priest that is anointed do sin according to the sin of the people, then let him bring for his sin, which he hath sinned, a young bullock without blemish unto the Lord for a sin offering. And we'll stop right there. So we, we begin verse Two, uh, saying, uh, the Lord speaking unto Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a soul shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done, shall do against any of them. Then he kind of swaps it a little bit. Not really swaps, but he switches gears a little bit. He's, he goes on in verse 3. If the priest that is anointed do sin according to the sin of the people. Uh, so we've gone from any person to the priest and he got, continues and says then let him bring for his sin which he hath sinned a young bullock without blemish unto the Lord for a sin offering and uh, uh, some people will say that uh, uh, that this priest that it's talking about because it talks about the anointed priest it's specifically talking about the high priest and I'm inclined to agree with that uh, however Keep in mind, all the priests, all of Aaron's sons were anointed. They were anointed uh, by commandment over in the book of Exodus, uh, by the command of God. You read about it again in Leviticus. You read about it again in the book of Numbers, as a matter of fact. But all of the priests were anointed, so we need to keep that in mind. But as far as the, the topological value of this goes, I believe that he was specifically talking about the high priest in this. Because the book of Hebrews in the New Testament speaks about uh, Jesus Christ not having to uh, give anything as an offering for sin for himself. There was no sin with Jesus Christ. The, the, the sons of Aaron, they had to do this because every one of them had sin in their lives. Just like every one of us uh, here tonight, every one of us have sin in our lives. Uh, but Jesus Christ, who never knew or never had any guile, 
in his mouth. God was not found in him. Sin was not found in him. He never had to Amen. once offer up anything for his own sin because that sin never existed. He's God. It's impossible for him to sin. It's not that he it's not that he won't sin, it's that he cannot sin. It's an impossibility with Jesus Christ uh, to do so. So for the typological value, I'm inclined to believe that when it says the anointed priest, uh, I believe that it's specifically speaking of the high priest. And if you go over to Leviticus chapter 16, we won't turn over there tonight, and it talks about the Day of Atonement. Only the high priest was allowed to go back to the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. Now, I believe that, that would have been the anointed priest that we're talking about here. Now, do I know that for a fact? No. I absolutely do not. I wasn't, I wasn't here 3,500 years ago when all of this was being written. But, uh, like I said, as far as uh, the typological value of it goes, I believe he's specifically talking about the high priest. So he says, the priest says anoint, if the priest says anointed, do sin according to the sin of the people, that he shall bring for, for his sin, which he has sinned to the young bullock without blemish unto the Lord for a sin offering, and he shall bring the bullock unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, and shall lay his hand upon the bullock's head and kill the bullock before the Lord and the priest that is anointed shall take of the bullock's blood and bring it to the tabernacle uh, of the congregation and the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle of the blood seven times before the Lord before the veil of the sanctuary and the priest shall put some of the blood upon the horns of the altar of sweet incense before the Lord which is in the tabernacle of the congregation and shall pour all the blood of the bullock at the bottom of the altar of the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he shall take off from it all, all the fat off the, of the bullock for the sin offering, the fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, which is by the flanks, and the call above the liver with the kidneys, it shall he take away. As it was taken off from the bullock, uh, of the sacrifice of peace offerings and the priest shall burn them upon the altar of the burnt offering and the skin of the bullock and all his flesh with his head with his legs with his in and his inwards and his dung even the whole bullock shall he carry forth without the camp uh, unto a clean place where the ashes are poured out and burn him on the wood with fire where the ashes are poured out shall he be burned now, I know that was a lot of reading but this is just this is only the commandment given for the priest's sin offering. As I said last week, if you ever don't appreciate Jesus Christ, read through Leviticus. This was what the priest had to go through for his sin offering. If a priest had, uh, uh, had sin, uh, this is what he had to do. And we're going to get to the rest of uh, to really everybody else here in just a moment in Leviticus 4. It, covered, it covers the ground uh, for everybody from, from the priests, from the ones that were in charge of the service of the Lord, the ones that were in charge of the tabernacle, they were in charge of the worship of God, uh, they were in charge of, of intercession. They represented God to the people. All of the priests did this. It wasn't just Moses and it wasn't just Aaron. The priests, the priesthood itself represented God to the people and they intercessed between the people and uh, and Almighty God. But if this priest had sin in his life, 
all, everything we just read, which, which highly resembles the peace offering, and it brought that up in this scripture, uh, as far as taking all the fat out of it, and the kidneys, and the call above the liver, and all these other things. And if you were here last week, we read that all the fat belongs to God. It's all the Lord's, because that was the richest part of the animal, and that's the one that would be most desirable uh, to the people, even to the priests. Uh, that would be the most desirable part of the animal. But God says, all the fat is mine. All the fat is the Lord's. And, uh, but we, uh, we read also, it says, in the skin of the bull, or, uh, yeah, in the skin of the bull, verse 11, and all his flesh with his head and his, with his legs and his inwards and his dung, even the whole bullet shall he carry forth without the camp unto a clean place where the ashes are poured out. And burn him on the wood with fire where the ashes are poured out. Shall he be burnt? And we need to remember those two verses because it differs a little bit when we get into the rest of the congregation of Israel here in uh, just a little while. So verse 13, it says, And if the whole congregation of Israel sin through ignorance, and the thing be hid from the eyes of the assembly, and they have done something against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which should not be done and are guilty. When the, when the sin that they have sinned against it is known, then the congregation shall offer a young bullock for the sin and bring him before the tabernacle of the congregation. And the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands upon the head of the bullock, which is uh, the, the bullock before the Lord, and the bullock shall be killed uh, before the Lord and the priest that is anointed shall bring of the bullock's blood to the tabernacle of the congregation. And we'll stop right there for just a moment. So we've already we already see a little bit of a difference here. Remember when the priest was offering uh, had an offering for his own sin. And remember this is a commandment of God. This is not a free will offering. This is if if you sin in ignorance, this is what you have to do. This is my law. This is my statute and my decree, and this is what you must do. The priest had to uh, had to bring the animal. He had to bring it to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and kill it and uh, sprinkle the blood and and spread the blood. Now uh, backing up just a little bit. When uh, we were talking about the priest and what he had to do, he had to sprinkle uh, the, the uh, or has to sprinkle the blood uh, se uh, several times and put it on the horns of the altar of the of the incense to the Lord. What what is that incense? Uh, what is that a symbol of in the Old Test Testament when they burnt incense? That was that was a, a symbol of prayers unto God. That was uh, the symbol. Uh, the symbol according to the scripture of, of God hearing the prayers of his people. And so they would put this blood upon the altar of incense. Uh, but one other thing we need to concentrate on, I didn't bring this up either. And this, uh, this goes as well for the burnt offering. Uh, but one thing I didn't bring up is the priest and the congregation of Israel, whom we're reading about now, uh, and the common man, and the leaders of Israel, everybody that's brought up here in Leviticus chapter 4, they bring these animals, and they lay their hands upon their head, and I know we've, we've covered that uh, a couple of different times reading through these uh, chapters in Leviticus. But when they lay their hands on that animal, and they lean on that animal, I told y'all the Hebrew word uh, for the laying on of hands uh, means to lean heavily upon. And when they do that, though, not only are they trusting 
that animal, they're trusting the word of God. And these for this, this sin offering here, they're trusting that the word of God, that this offering will appease God. This will suffice God as far as their sin goes. But what else are they doing? They're confessing that they've sinned. When they bring a sin offering unto God, and like I said, the same thing would go for the burnt offering, but when they bring this sin offering unto God, and they, and they bring it, and they lay their hands upon it, and they slaughter it, they're confessing their sin to God. So, and folks, it would do the church a whole lot of good. I'm not talking about free gift gospel mission. I'm talking about the church, the body of Christ, to do some confession of sin to God, Amen. to recognize their sin for what it is. They're, they're not oopsie-daisy. And they're not, they're not mistakes. It's sin. And Amen. sin is a serious thing in the eyes of God. You read through these sacrifices that we've been reading about the last few weeks in Leviticus. You read about this one here. Uh, the bullet that the priest had to bring. And, and the, uh, you know, the different sacrifices that we've read about. Folks, it was violent. It was violent things that happened. And that shows what God thinks about sin and how sin must be punished. We need to keep all those things in mind. And we, but we do, as believers, we still need to confess our sins to God. And when these people remember, this wasn't heathen. These wasn't pagans. They wasn't Moabites and Parasites. They were Israelites. They were God's chosen people that he called out of Egypt by way of Moses. He parted the Red Sea. He was bringing them to the promised land. And he had given them his law at Sinai at this point, not long before this, and all these other things. But it was God's people. And he was saying, when you sin. So that tells me that we will sin and that we do sin. And because of what we're reading here, it's a confession of sin that these people were making when they laid their hands upon that animal. They're saying, I have sinned, but I'm trusting the word of God that that sin is not going uh, to be credited to my account. Amen. This animal is going to suffer uh, the death that I should suffer. That's how serious God is with sin. We need to keep these things uh, in mind. But as far as this, uh, whole uh, the whole congregation of Israel, uh, like I said there's, there's a couple of differences. Uh, one of them is the elders, uh, the priest himself uh, that was given the offering in the first part of this chapter. He would lay his hands upon it. But as far as the whole congregation of Israel, the elders would come, which represented the nation. And folks, this nation that we live in right now, it could, it could use some confession and repentance. You can use a whole lot of confession and repentance. And I believe that just as God says here to this congregation, if it would do that, if our nation would do that, you'd see, you'd see a 180-degree turn of this nation overnight. But that's not happening. Why? Because we're stiff-necked. But we're stiff-necked. We've been blessed by God so much that we take his blessings for granted. And, and I say that knowing what the Israelites done. I'm fast-forwarding into the Old Testament now, but the Israelites did that. They took the sacrifices for granted. They took the peace offering for granted. They took the meat offering for granted. They took the burnt offering for granted. They said, well, if I just take an animal, or if I just take my meat offering, or if I just offer a peace offering, then that's what God wants. No, folks, God, God never wanted the animal. He wanted a relationship with his people. He never wanted the blood. Uh, that, that was the commandment that he gave because all, all sin is purged by blood. 
That was the commandment that he gave, yes, but he wanted a relationship with his people. And when they followed the statutes and they'd done it for the right reasons and their heart was in the right place, then it pleased God. But when they started, they started polluting the altar, they started polluting the tabernacle, they started bringing their sick and their lame animals uh, for the sacrifices, and God knew that that would happen. But when they started doing that, that's when it upset God. And that's when it angered God. When you read over in the book of Micah, reading the book of Micah, it says, it says, He has chewed thee, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. That's what God wanted. It wasn't necessarily the sacrifices. It wasn't the oil. It wasn't the grain. It wasn't all these things. He wanted relationship with his people. And this here, what we're reading tonight, is, is how... Once the burnt offering was done, remember Leviticus chapter 1, the burnt offering was done, and there was also a continual burnt offering that was offered, the, the, the morning oblation and the evening oblation, constantly. But individuals could bring their burnt offerings as well. Yes, that, that got them in the right relationship with God. This is the sin offering, though. This is for, for ignorant sin, as we've read. And, you know, you may have heard people pray. I've prayed it, too. You know, Lord, any sin that I don't know about, please forgive me. Something along those lines. That's pretty much what we're talking about here. But we're also talking about people that walk with God, people that know God. They know who God is. They, folks, these are the same people that saw the lightnings and saw the quakings and experienced the, the, the presence of God up there on Mount Sinai. They saw all these things while Moses was up there experiencing God himself. They saw these things. So they knew who God was. I know who God is. And if you're here born again, you know who God is. And that does not negate the fact that sin still angers God. And sin will still separate us from God. It will break off fellowship with God if we have sin in our lives. And that's why people pray like that. They might confess specific sins. And then at the end of that, they might say, anything else that I'm thinking of, or anything else that I've done that I'm not aware of, Lord. But we're talking specifically about people that walk with God, that were delivered by God. Uh, through the Red Sea and on their way home at this point. And uh, the uh, verse 15, And the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands upon the head of the bullock before the Lord, and the bullock shall be killed before the Lord. The priest that is anointed shall bring of the bullock's blood to the tabernacle of the congregation, and the priest shall dip his finger in some of the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord, even before the veil, and he shall... Uh, put some of the blood upon the horns of the altar which is before the Lord that is in the tabernacle of the congregation and shall pour out all the blood at the bottom of the altar of the burnt offering which is at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation he shall take all his fat from him and burn it upon the altar and he shall do with the bullet as he did with the bullet for a sin offering so, so shall he do with this and the priest shall make an atonement for them and it shall be forgiven them now, we just read something real important, and we blew through it, but we're going to back up. And he shall do with the bullock as he did with the bullock for a sin offering. Who was he? The anointed priest. What sin offering? The sin offering that the priest had to bring. This tells me that 
it was a very common practice for the priest to first offer give a sin offering so that he could intercess on behalf of the people. Folks, the New Testament teaches that we're all kings and priests. We all have our access to God through Jesus Christ. We have direct access to God, yes, but it is through Jesus Christ that we have that. Amen. Now, when it says here that he shall do with the bullock as he did for, uh, with the bullock for a sin offering, it's talking about the offering that we read about previous to this, the offering for the priest once again, fast forward to the New Testament, to the book of Hebrews, where it speaks about Jesus Christ not having to make an offering for his sin. So before the priest could do this and intercess for the congregation of Israel, for the nation, for the believers in God, for those that have witnessed the greatness of God, for those that have uh, witnessed the fury and the terror of God at Mount Sinai, before he could do, uh, before he could do anything for them, he had to do for himself. And it is the same way with us as kings and priests. If I have sin in my life, folks, I'm in danger of having my prayer life shut off until I confess that sin under God. It was the same way for these priests. If they, if they had sin and they didn't do the proper things and offer the proper sacrifice in the proper way and they didn't dig out all the fat and the kidneys and the cold liver, if they didn't do it exactly as God said, they would not be able to intercess on behalf of the people of God. And this is just the whole nation of Israel uh, that we're talking about here. So they had to do that. A lot of times when I pray, I'll begin with forgiveness for my own sins. I'll begin with how great God is, yes. But then I'll go on into forgiveness of my own sin a lot of times when I pray. Because if I've got sin, and especially if I know we're talking about ignorance in here, but if I know that there's something there, especially if the Holy Spirit brought it to my mind, you need to repent of this, and I don't, I could pray for a half an hour, and it ain't going to go anywhere. That's right. With that on my heart and with that on my mind, that Amen. is going to get in the way of my prayer life with God. And I ain't saying God's going to boot me into hell if I die right then and there, but it will get in the way of my prayer life with God. So I need to confess my own sin. This priest, when he brought that animal, he laid his hand upon the animal, he confessed his sin, and blood was shed for the remission of his sin. And a substitutionary sacrifice was made. Someone died in his stead where he should have died. So when the congregation of Israel has sinned as a nation, and they recognize that, and the priest is making intercession for them, if he hasn't done what he needs to, God's not going to recognize the offering that he's making on behalf of the nation. I hate the thought of someone calling me and saying, I need you to pray. So-and-so's been in a bad car wreck, or so-and-so's had a heart attack, or something along those lines. And my life being such a wreck with sin that I can't get through to God for that person. I hate the thought of my boy calling me and saying, your grandson's in bad shape, and I couldn't get through to God on his behalf. Folks, we need to confess. Yes. We need to confess, we need to pray, we need to repent, Amen. and stay in right relationship with God. If for no other reason for that, but uh, we'll, co we'll continue on. Verse 21, And he shall carry forth the bullock without the camp and burn, burn him, 
as he burned the first bullock, it is a sin offering for the congregation. Verse 22, when a ruler has sinned and done somewhat uh, through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord his God concerning things which should not be done and is guilty, or if his sin wherein he has sinned come to his knowledge, he shall bring his offering, a kid of the goats, a male without blemish, and he shall lay his hand upon the head of the goat and kill it in the place where they kill the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering, and the priest shall take of the blood of the sin offering uh, with his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar of the burnt offering and shall pour out his blood at the bottom of the altar of burnt offering. He shall burn all his fat upon the altar as the fat of the sacrifice of peace offerings and the priest shall make an atonement for him as concerning his sin and it shall be forgiven him. That's some of the most encouraging words that we've read so far in Leviticus 4. The very last line that we read. And it shall be forgiven him. If it's done the way that God says, and it's no different in our life, it's no different in the life of any lost sinner that's out there. If, if we come to God the way that God has said to come, if you notice, folks, the only thing they brought was a sacrifice. God didn't say it's got to be that the offerer, and we're talking about the offerer specifically here, especially this leader that we're talking about now, he didn't say that the offerer has to go through any big elaborate ceremony. He didn't say he has to bring his own tools. He has to bring this or that. All he's got to do is come, lay his hand on that animal, and, and claim the promise of God that his sin will be forgiven if he goes through the way that God has prescribed for him to go, and it shall be forgiven him. Not it might be. Not God will chew on it. Not God will ponder it. It says it shall be forgiven him. That's just about as good as Romans 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. There's no maybe. There's no gray area there. That's what it takes is, is to confess and believe. And yes, repentance is in there too. And people say, well, you have repentance. That's adding a work to it, folks. Jesus Christ didn't add a work to it when he preached repentance. Jesus Christ said, only believe. Said he that believes on me hath everlasting life, hath eternal life. So it, it is belief, and it is faith, and it is repentance. What were these people doing? They were believing God. But it got to the point, once again, fast forward on into the Old Testament, where they were depending on the ritual as opposed to depending on the one that had decreed the ritual to them. That's what got them in trouble. That's what gets a lot of church folks in trouble. That's what gets a lot of saved people in trouble, uh, in spiritual trouble. When you feel like you, you have no spiritual power, when you feel like the Holy Ghost just ain't abiding with you anymore, it's, it's not necessarily that he's not. It's just that we're depending on the motions. We're depending on, uh, on our church attendance instead of why we're going to church because God saved our souls. We're not depending on the one that, uh, that is the head of the church. And that we are the body, and we're not understanding that. We're just dependent on the ritual for it. And these people here, when they got to depending on the ritual, as opposed to depending on God, that's what got them in, in, in trouble with the Lord. But all these things we just read, remember, this is the ruler. And this ruler, it, it, it could have been an elder uh, of the Israelites. It could have, you know, once they got into the 
promised land, they started settling their towns and settling their regions. It could have been what we would classify as a mayor or a governor, uh, whatever the case is, but it was a ruler of the people specifically that we're talking about here. So we've gone from priest, he, uh, the, the ones that are in the service of God, and they, uh, they intercess for the people, and they're the, the religious elite, really, uh, of this day. Then we get to the whole nation, the whole congregation of Israel. Now we've gone down to a ruler of the people. In verse 27, we get to one, uh, one more section. And if any one of the common people sin through ignorance, praise God, that's me. If any one of the common people, any one of the nobodies, I'm, I'm not a leader. I'm, I'm certainly not a nation. I'm my own priest, yes. Uh, according to the New Testament. I'm not a high priest. I've got one high priest, though, Jesus Christ. Amen. But a common person. So we've gone through the entire, everybody that could be ranked in the nation Israel. God has made a way for their sin to be forgiven. He has made a way for everybody. Not only does that show that everybody can repent and everybody can bring their offering unto God, their sin offering, and everyone can lay their hands on it and confess uh, that they have sinned, and that blood be shed for their sins, not, not only does it make a way for them to be forgiven and then to be restored back into fellowship with their God, but it also shows that everyone's a sinner. Everyone is a sinner. God made a way for everyone to repent because everyone needed to repent. And that's what a lot of folks, and especially church folks, that's what a lot of folks get in their head is, Boy, I'm good. God really digs me. Look what God's done for me. Folks, that's sinful in and of itself. That's pride. And, and uh, God hates a proud look, according to Proverbs chapter 6. We've got, we got to be careful with such thoughts. But if any one of the common people sin through ignorance, once again, we're talking about ignorant sin, while he doeth somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done, and be guilty, or if his sin which he has sinned come to his knowledge, then he shall bring for his offering a kid of a goat, a female, without blemish. Here's another uh, 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 difference. It says that they can, the common person can bring a female. Why was that? Well, female goats wasn't nearly as valuable as male goats were. Females were valuable as far as they were able to, you know, it takes a male and female to multiply. We're all well aware of that. But that was really the only value that a female goat held was to multiply a flock. The male goats were of more value. So he says the common person can bring a, a, a kid of a goat, a female without blemish for his for his sin, which he had sinned. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering and slay the sin offering in the place of the burnt offering. And the priest shall take of the blood thereof with his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar of burnt offering and shall pour, uh, pour out all the blood thereof at the bottom of the altar. He shall take away all the fat thereof as the fat is taken away from the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall burn it upon the altar for a sweet savor unto the Lord. And the priest shall make an atonement for him and it shall be forgiven him. Once again, not that it may be forgiven him. It shall be forgiven him. It says the priest shall make an atonement for him. Now remember, we've already covered it. This priest had to this priest had to make atonement for himself before he could do this. But uh, in the rest of these, the priest is making atonement on behalf of the nation. 
and on behalf of the leaders and on behalf of the common people. And folks, there is one high priest now, one that has made atonement for the entire world. He has made a way to be forgiven. He has been the sin offering for all mankind. He's been the sin offering. He's been the burnt offering. Uh, uh, and all these things. And another thing that we've uh, we've read here a few times going through Leviticus 4 is where it says that you'll take these sin offerings and they'll be, they'll be killed in the place of the burnt offering. Remember, folks, Leviticus 1, the burnt offering has already taken place. The burnt offering is what completely restored fellowship with fallen Israel and with fallen individual uh, Israelites. The burnt offering done that. This is a sin offering for ignorant sin that they bring for individual sins. And God doesn't put a limit on this either. He doesn't say you can only bring one, one sin offering per day. I read that nowhere in the scripture. But we need to we need to repent and uh, we need to seek God every day uh, because of our sin, because of our flesh, because we are sinful. Y'all heard me say it before. We're not sinful because of what we do. We're sinful because of who we are. We're we're naturally sinful people. We're 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 born into this world as children of wrath, and God miraculously saves us and turns us into sons and daughters of righteousness. But by nature, we're all children of wrath, uh, every one of us. But it says, he shall take the fat, or I'm sorry, verse 32, and if he bring a lamb for a sin offering, he shall bring it a female without blemish. So here we have again a female, a female lamb, once again, less, less value than the, the male would have. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering, and slay it for a sin offering in the place where they kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall take of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar of burnt offering. He shall pour out all the blood thereof at the bottom of the altar. And he shall take away all the fat thereof as the fat of the lamb is taken away from the sacrifice of the peace offerings. And the priest shall burn them upon the altar according to the offerings made by fire unto the Lord. And the priest shall make an atonement for his sin that he hath committed, and it shall be forgiven him. So in all these sacrifices, regardless if it was a priest, if it was the nation, if it was a leader, or if it was the, the, a common peasant in Israel, we have a way for everybody to be forgiven. Amen. But that way is the exact same way for every one of them. Blood had to be shed. An innocent life had to be taken. An animal that does not know what sin is. An animal that all it knows how to do is be an animal. A sheep knows how to be a sheep. A goat knows how to be a goat. A bullock knows how to be a bullock. None of these, none of these creatures have any idea what sin is. They are completely innocent. And they had to die in the stead of these guilty Israelites. And we know from the New Testament scripture, we know from our own personal salvation experience and from the preaching and teaching of God's word out of the New Testament that the Lamb of God is able to wash away all of our sins and make us completely whole. But it was still blood that had to be shed. It was the same way for these Israelites as it was for us, but it was a different blood. But every one of these sacrifices, they pointed to that ultimate sacrifice. They pointed to the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus Christ would make 
one day, uh, one day after a while, and I yeah. think it was last week, maybe the week before, I told y'all these folks had no clue who Jesus Christ was. They did not know Jesus Christ by name, but they knew there was a Messiah promised. And God put all these ordinances in place and all these offerings that we're reading about in place to point toward to be a shadow of what was to come, which was and is Jesus Christ. Now, all this being said, you might ask the question, when we've gone through all this and all of us talking about ignorant sin, what about sin that people are aware of? What about sin that people think about, they contemplate, and they follow on through with? Well, God addresses that too, not here in this chapter. It's actually addressed in Leviticus chapter 6, which we'll hopefully get to in a couple of weeks. But it's actually better addressed in Numbers chapter 15. Uh, that issue is. And, you know, we'll touch on that real quickly. Uh, uh, as far as the New Testament goes, we all know that Jesus said himself that the only sin that man could not be forgiven of was blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. And most people, most, most Christians, don't even know what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. I'll tell you what it is. It is complete and utter rejection of God and of the Word of God and of the work of the Holy Spirit and of the Holy Spirit showing them their sin and those people not repenting. It's not, it's not calling the Holy Spirit a bad word. And that's what a lot of people think it is. Uh, that's not blasphemy of the Holy, uh, Holy Spirit. And we know that in the New Testament because of what the Old Testament says about it, and particularly Numbers chapter 15. There's, there's no sacrifice that's given in Scripture that can be made for someone who utterly rejects the Word of God. There's no sacrifice for that in the Old Testament. Now, you could take someone like me, in my own testimony, who, who blatantly rejected the Word of years and God can still save my soul and he did but in the Old Testament there was no sacrifice for that and once again you read that better in Numbers 15 actually than you do in Leviticus chapter 6 but that's just in case someone was wondering about that because like I said we're talking about ignorant sin here but you remember uh, uh, speaking of all the ignorant sin uh, brought up here in Leviticus chapter 4 you've got to remember these are people that walked with God and knew whom God was. And they and they they knew why they were making these sacrifices. And they, they knew all of these things and they had received the law from God through Moses at Mount Sinai. And now God has given them these ways uh, uh, to come back into relationship with him through the burnt offering and, uh, and the sin offering that we're reading about here. Once again, God didn't give his law to a bunch of heathens and pagans. He gave it to his own chosen people. And these offerings that he wrote here in Leviticus, he didn't give those to a bunch of heathens and pagans. He gave those to his own chosen people, those whom he had already delivered. So, uh, and again, if you keep in mind uh, that uh, verse that we quoted before we began tonight, uh, 1 John, these things are right unto you that you sin not. He's already given them those things. He gave them those back at Sinai. 
He gives the entire nation of Israel his law and his commandments. These things I write unto you that you sin not. But if any of you do sin, if any man do, does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, through Jesus Christ, the righteous. They had advocates in the form of priests here. They had sacrifices in the form of these animals, these innocent creatures that we were talking about. But every one of those were a shadow of Jesus Christ. They were, uh, they were a foretaste of what was to come in Jesus Christ, where not only Jews could be saved, not only Jews could claim to be God's people, but the Gentiles could as well. And that brings us to